Welcome to Living Water Radio. Why do people flee from God, from the Creator who died for them in order for them to be what they were created to be? Today, we're going to find out. My name is Pastor David Burkettall. My wife, Reverend Sally Welch, is co-producing this podcast. Sally is a Christian Church Disciples of Christ, United Church of Christ, ordained minister, focusing on ecumenical and interfaith ministry. I served Lutheran Christian congregations in Compton, California, and in San Dimas, California, for over 40 years. Today, maintaining our yard is my gym, and I'm active as a volunteer in the leadership of the more than 100 Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregations in our area. Between the two of us, we have over 80 years of ordained ministry experience. Check out our first Living Water Radio podcast, number zero, Welcome and Introduction, for more information about us and this podcast. The parable of the prodigal son is one of the best-known stories in the Bible. It's one that is very often studied by people who are not really interested in the authority of the Bible, but just want to study it as literature. It kind of sounds like it belongs in the Old Testament. It contains such sweeping themes and starchy drama, but it is a parable told by Jesus and only found in the Gospel of Luke. It's called the parable of the prodigal son because of the son's excesses. Prodigal means excessive, wastefully extravagant, spending money recklessly, lavish. It has the same root word as prodigious, as in President Taft had a prodigious waistline. A prodigy is someone who is exceptionally talented. Here's the setting in Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, as my confirmation pastor told me. Note that it is a heavenly meaning. It is not an allegory. It isn't full of symbols that all stand for something. It usually has just one meaning. Now we jump from verse 3 to verse 11. Wait, what? Why? Because there are two other parables stuck in between. The parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. Spoiler alert, all three are about what the Pharisees, and a key person in the parable, see as God's prodigal generosity. Jesus says this in a parable about something else that's precious that can be lost, in Luke chapter 15, verses 11b through 20a. We'll start those with verses Luke 15, 11a through 12. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. Did you hear that? The younger of two sons goes to his father and says, in effect, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. I'm young. I want to enjoy the money you're going to leave me while I can. I want to live large. I want to have fun. I want the money now. Oh, and his father says, yes. My great-grandfather, Terry Burkadal, came to this country because Norway practiced primogeniture during a time called the Hundred-Year Hunger. That meant that all the parents' property, the inheritance, was left to the oldest son, who would then take care of the rest of the family. That kept the farms from being divided into properties too small to support anyone. 
but it assumed that families all got along and that older brothers would be benevolent and competent managers. That may not have been the case for my great-grandfather, because he left Norway for the United States and never looked back. He never wrote back either. He cut ties, and our family didn't know who our family was in Norway until the Internet age. When I and my family went back, we were the first people with the family name to visit Norway in about 120 years. Our relatives showed us the book of our family history, and next to his entry it said in Norwegian, We think he died. It's regrettable but understandable that he left for greater opportunities, as many people from Norway and from other countries have done over time. This parable, however, tells about a young man who didn't want opportunities, or even to support himself. He wanted to indulge himself with his father's money, and he did. The parable continues with verse 13. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his money in dissolute living. His older brother would later accuse him of spending his money on prostitutes. Maybe he did. Wine, women, and song. He was living in prodigal excess. But then the party ended. He hadn't made good in a distant country. He was played out. We see the consequences starting in verse 14. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. Didn't he have any friends? You mean all the people he partied with were nowhere to be found once his money ran out? I'm shocked! Shocked! So, he gets a job with someone who owes him nothing, with whom he has no kinship ties, and he becomes a caregiver to pigs, about the lowest job a child of Israel could imagine. And what kind of job doesn't pay enough to buy him pig food to eat? Sounds like he's back in slavery in Egypt. He was living in prodigious humiliation. But, but then he sees the solution in verses 17 through 20a. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. How many of our children or the children of people we know have found themselves in that same far country? They have cut all ties for a life of drugs, alcohol, unfettered sex, even crime, and what the parable describes as dissolute living, life without morals or restraint, who think they have found friends who care for them. How many people have finally hit the bottom and remembered that there is a way back? that they still have someone who really loves them. Parents long for that. So does God. And we, the church, see not only individual sons and daughters going down the same path, but whole cultures. 
Could we not describe our culture as one that has squandered its inheritance in order to seek temporary personal pleasure, consumed with toys and tied to materialism and outward appearances? One that has lost its way in the distant country of absence from God? Do we not work and long for its return to God, the one who loves them? There's a line in the Robert Frost poem, Death of a Hired Man, that goes, Home is the place that, when you have to go there, they have to let you in. That's the place that the prodigal son had come to. That's all he believed he could expect. His father's hired hands were treated well. He could repent. Maybe his father would give him a job, and he could at least live, not as a son, but as an employee. He came to himself. Isn't that a beautiful, poetic way to put it? He remembered who he was. He remembered who he had been created to be. There was a core there that his poor choices hadn't worn away. He came to remember who loved him. He came to himself. The son was prodigal in his excessive and destructive living, but he was still a son. He would now throw himself on the defining mercy of his father. If you were the father, what would you do? Would you have good news or bad news for the Son? Jesus offered this at the beginning of his three-year public ministry in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Next time, we're going to find out what the Father did. The answer shocked and surprised the Pharisees. How do you think that you would respond? Today, let's remember to pray for all those who have yet to get the vaccines and the booster, because they are most at risk to themselves and to others. And let's remember to pray the Lord's Prayer sometime today, the one that Jesus taught us. If you don't know what that is, contact us at the Revs David and Sally at gmail.com or send us a tweet to at David Burkettall and we'll send it to you. Send your prayer requests to either of the same addresses and we'll include them next time. Send your comments there as well. As always, we encourage you to stay hydrated. Open your heart to receive the living water from the source, God's self, the living presence of the one true living God, the God who gave himself on the cross so that all who believe and are baptized might be restored to the living relationship with God for which we were created. Remember your church. Identify one if you don't already have one. Ask a friend about it or a family member. Google it. Contact the pastor. When you have a church, go to or tune into the worship service they have available and support your church financially so that it will be fully functioning as we move now out of the variants and back into the new normal. Support your pastor and church leaders. Pray for them and help them in any way that you can. They're trying to find their footing. They're trying to keep everybody happy. You know how impossible that is. Support them. Pray for them. If you or a loved one are having thoughts of suicide or are struggling with mental health issues, call somebody, contact a friend or a relative, Google a local national hotline, talk with a professional, reach out. You are not alone. There are people around you who will walk with you through this dark time and into the light. 
Wear a mask when you're outside your home. Practice social distancing. Wash or sanitize your hands regularly. Get your vaccine. It's the one thing you can do to keep lowering the curve and to literally save lives. Do it for the sake of others. Avoid crowds if you can, and be outside if you have to be in a crowd. Be kind to everyone you come into contact with, especially those who are sacrificing their security to provide for yours. We all struggle in some way. Be a helper and an encourager. Thank you for listening to Living Water Radio. We are here for Christians and for the people of the Los Angeles metropolitan area who are looking for a sense of Christian community, a source of hope, and a way to thrive together during this global pandemic. We hope you'll tune in next time and invite your friends to do the same. Meanwhile, Sally and I encourage you to open your hearts to receive living water, the presence of the Holy Spirit, and stay hydrated.